welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a clinician, military spouse, an advocate, and my co-host for this season is Sarah Foster, a first responder spouse, mom, and homesteader. Join us for season seven, where we invite you into honest conversation about life, family, and home. So grab that cup of coffee or head out for a walk. It's time to reconnect with what matters most. Through all the storms and by your side Through days of warmth and by your side Like the stars and the moon in the nighttime sky And by your side Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. Um, it's Corey and my co-host Sarah, and thank you for co-hosting with me this season. I was walking this morning and listening to the episode that just released this week, and we recorded it forever ago, and I was just listening to us, and I was just so thankful that you've joined me this season. It's been like, even though I was there when we recorded it, even though I've heard it one or two times producing it, and then I'm walking, listening to it again, like you still make me laugh and smile, and I'm so glad that you're here. So hi. Hi, and thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here too, and I'm glad that, I hope that it's helped give a voice to that other side that, you know, I kind of bring that perspective. And, um, I know I feel the same way. I re-listen to them when they air after kind of doing the show notes for them and all that stuff. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that was good. Like, so I know I'm getting stuff out of them, but anything. Well, and I know we're going to talk today about, um, friendship and community and, and all of that. So, you know, one of the things that I have found really valuable in our relationship is that you kind of provide the, the alternative ego, the other side of of my life that I probably wish that I could experience but can't because you're kind of in this stable homestead, you know, Virginia, which Matt and I talk about all the time going back to Virginia, you know, lifestyle. And you showed up this morning, you're like, you get Farmer Sarah. So I would just like to know what is Farmer Sarah? And just share a little bit of like, what's your morning been like? Because sometimes I text you and I'm like, hey, is this a good day to meet? And you're like, yep, I'm picking up milk today. So like, <laughs> share, share what, what's been going on in your world just today. Oh yeah. So today, um, well, so we, and I think you've hinted at this before. We also bought a fixer, our fixer upper on farm. So we've been doing our bathrooms. So I was like project Sarah yesterday, finishing up our bathrooms. And then today I woke up and it started with, I'm going to need to mow because I almost stepped on a snake the other morning when I was walking to my garden. And so, um, the higher the grass gets the more like you can't tell what's in the grass. And so, um, that started with me moving my fencing for my chickens. Um, my broccoli has gone completely like I grew it really well. And then cabbage moths set in. So now I just have been growing broccoli for my chickens because they will eat it. So I plucked up a whole plant of broccoli for them, threw it at them, went and bought more chicken food, moved their fencing and then came in. So, Oh my goodness. And it's only 11 o'clock in the morning for your time. So sometimes hearing someone else's world gives us like, I'm so glad I don't have cows and chickens and a giant piece of property to mow. That would be too much for me today. But at the same time, um, I can also hear your story and go, you know what I need? I need to slow down and be in the present. And um, sometimes your world reminds me of that too. And that's also the gift of friendship. So um, one of the things that you do great with um, all of our conversations um, this season is you bring defining terms. Like I know at the very beginning, you were like, let's just define what it means to reconnect or let's just define what it means um, to sit on our porch. You know, you, you pick up on these words sometimes and then you're like, I'm going to look that up and look up the definition. And so before I hit record, we were kind of reviewing what we were going to talk about today. And you were like, you know, I just was thinking about what is community. So I'd love to just kind of start there. Um, and you share your thoughts, Sarah, as you were thinking about tackling this very difficult topic of community. What were some of the thoughts that you went through? Cause I know you're going to define something. I am. I have it written down. <laughs> of course you do. here. <laughs> Um, you know, so going back to reconnect, I think reconnect was kind of like birthed out of wanting this feeling of like, okay, what we're doing isn't working and it's time to circle back and 
figure out what we've lost touch with. And so obviously um, community is one of those things. And so I found myself even personally, like, I feel like for a while we were kind of all okay with staying in our homes or we were all okay with not having any social events to do. And now we're kind of coming back into this time. And I know I feel it in myself of like, okay, what, um, what was working maybe in like two years ago is no longer working or I have this longing to be more plugged in, but what does that look like? And so, um, I found myself just kind of asking, like you said, what is community and specifically wondering is community going to look different for me versus like, for me in a service lifestyle versus like just someone who lives in an area. Um, because when I looked up community, it's like a loaded question. So I think all the things that we're feeling, it's like represented in the, in the internet, because it's like communities represented from church to communism, to all kinds of different things. Like people are like <laughs> defining it all kinds of different ways. And so the best one I kind of grabbed, cause then like, if you look at the actual definition, there's like A, B, C, D, E, F, it's, you know, really can be really broad. So the one I kind of thought summed it up was a community is a network of social and economic relationships and the places where those relationships interact Mm. and economic, not necessarily being monetary, but like an exchange of whatever that is, like whether it's an exchange, like for instance, in the farming community or in the homestead community, you know, there can be this kind of initial pickup of like, I'm going to be self-sufficient and I'm not going to need anyone. And you quickly realize like, Oh gosh, like I cannot like plant all these things and do all this animal husbandry, like all by myself. And so there's a great benefit to the farmer down the road who just says dairy and to the Mm. farmer down the road who grows really good broccoli and can somehow not have cabbage worms all over you know? And so there's an exchange there. Like we have similar ideals. And from that, we form a relationship. And then there's like an exchange, not necessarily of money, but of either, you know, resources or childcare. Like you guys talk about like in the military of like, um, some of the things of like, Hey, can we, you take kids this day? I take kids this day. That's an exchange. Mm -hmm. So as I've thought about like what that looks like for me, I feel like I have this idealistic, look to the past kind of perspective of like, we just forsook it all in the name of progress. And I won't always want to go back and like extrapolate from there and recreate it here, which is why you see like some of my life, which is why like, I'm like, we don't need running water. I love how Sarah, you're learning all of these lessons in powerful ways. You're like, I don't need a TV, but I might need some form of communication. I don't need water. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. I don't need internet. Oh, wait, I do. You know, to to go back to a previous episode at the very least, so you know, when the ice cream shop is open, right? Um, Because that's what's working and that's what people are doing. And I think that goes back to the frustration and the confusion around community. Um, You know, one of the things that I'm uh, being asked to teach on a lot right now is a generations training that I cover all the different generations and how things have shifted in the last 20 years. And there's so much more in that training, which is why it goes from anywhere between two hours to a full day of um, understanding not just the generations, but all the different things that have impacted each of us in each generation over the last 20 years. And one of those is the I heard someone once say that we are going through the largest communication shift in 500 years. Like so much has changed in the last 10 years. Um, We have not lived through a time with this significant of a shift since the printing press. So when we're feeling like something is off or we're feeling like I don't feel connected like I used to or things aren't the same as as what I experienced, that is actually true. And so when you bring up community – I think for a lot of us who are adulting right now, so if you are an adult, if you're in this lifestyle, if you are listening to this and you are, um, you've just formed a family or growing a family or launching a family, whatever stage, if you are adulting, life has shifted so much since you were a kid. It's hard to want the things that you were imprinted on as a, as a kid and as a teenager. It's hard to still want those things now because it doesn't look the same. So for example, When we were kids, you might have been playing outside, riding your bike, exploring, you know, or or if if you're Gen X like I am, like we just, Matt and I just had a conversation recently where we realized 
so much of Gen X is about movies. Like that's what we did. You go to the mall and you go to the movie theater and you, and so much of your whole life was formed by the movies that you watched. And so much of your community was like, let's go watch a movie together. You know, you go watch Top Gun, you go watch like whatever in the theater, you go to the mall together. That's what you do with people. And so even Matt and I have in parenting our kids, we've been like, do you want to watch a movie? Do you want to go to the, you know, you want to go like even just yesterday, Matt just picked up four tickets to go see the new Thor movie because that's com that's how you spend time with each other is we go to the movie theater without even checking anyone's schedule and two out of the four of us couldn't go. We were like, you need to check the calendar first. But he was so eager to share this thing together. That's what you do. But that's not necessarily what Gen Z wants to do. So there's so many things have shifted Church has shifted. Play has shifted. Everything that we used to do together is different now. And so it is hard to have this conversation about what is friendship when what you grew up with doing with your friends is not necessarily easy to do anymore. And social media has changed so much of the way that we have friendships, keep friendships, maintain friendships, dialogue as friendships. Um, who do we align with? When you said, or when you, maybe you said this before we hit record, like how do I spend time with people that have the same values that I do, but I still don't feel like it completes this longing for community? Like maybe unpack that just for a minute, Sarah. Yeah. So when I was talking about kind of like, what is community? And for me, I think of it as like just a centralized unit, but is it in reality is what I've been asking myself, is it more parsed out? So like what I was saying before we hit record is like, you know, I have a very dear friend who shares a lot of my, well, you, you guys know her, it's Shauna. <laughs> she was on the podcast. Um, she shares a lot of my, um, just beliefs and like we, we get along in values, but she also is a police wife. And so she's like, like almost like a total package for me, except she's 600 miles away from me. Mm -hmm. So I, I lack, I lack the physical, it's hard to watch her struggle. And I know it's hard for her to watch me struggle when what we need is like, and in, in the moments in our lives, when we need like physical presence, when we need someone mm -hmm. to come sit with us, when we need someone to, um, help us, you know, put in our pool or like whatever, like when we need yeah. like that physical community aspect, we can't give it to each other. We can give, like a, a emotional support, but that's about it. And so, you know, I would want her to be my total package, but yet she can't be because of like the yeah. physical barrier between us. Well, then I have like, what I was saying to you was I have like my homeschool community, great set of like values, like great support for when I'm struggling with like the homeschool life. But I always feel like in my physical communities that I'm like just outside the cusp of like belonging, like mm -hmm. that I bring this like grit or this like, um, different, like you're right. Like it's, we shouldn't be looking for people that are exactly like each other, but when you're the only one with a certain perspective, it can be very, um, ostracizing and no yeah. one's trying to, but yeah. it's just really hard to, and I don't know if this is just me and let, maybe you can speak to this. Kenny and I have always said this and he said it to me. He's like, the way you connect with people is you share and then you want them to share. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's like, I kind of give people a piece of like, this is what I'm struggling with. Mm -hmm. And then it's not, I'm not testing them, but I do kind of see how they handle it. And oftentimes they don't know how to handle the service piece of my life. And so it, without without them doing it on purpose, it makes me feel like, oh, I'll just keep that to myself or, oh, no one understands or whatever. And so I've just been wondering, like, do I need to be content with that, that it's just mm -hmm. going to be parsed out? Or like, is there somewhere that I can like feel, am I ever going to feel like I belong? Mm. I don't know. Such a great question. And I, and I know it resonates with everyone. I know it resonates with me too. Um, and I've struggled with that as well. And so <clears throat> I think in order to answer it, we kind of have to go back to what you brought up in the beginning, which is what I was saying about this whole cultural shift that's happened. Not only has our culture shifted, right? Where now we have the ability to have that relationship with Shauna, right? From a distance. Whereas, you know, yes, when we were younger, we could have still had a phone call and still connected. So there was distance friendships. Um, 
But now you can even have video calls where it feels like you're a little bit more present than just, you know, a regular phone call. But there has been this cultural shift, whereas I think before, so much of what we had was in our communities locally. Um, And I think there's also a shift that happens in us from childhood to adulthood. I think that when we are, I'm just talking this out loud, and I would love to hear your thoughts, Sarah, because... I'm fleshing this out as I talk, but I think that not only has the culture as a whole shifted, but we have shifted as our own, you know, human beings individually from childhood to adulthood. And so as children and adolescents, you know, when you're going to school with your friends and you're all going through the same things together, it feels like the people that are around you can, for the most part, um, you relate to them. You may struggle with, you know, different cliques and fitting in and all of that, but you're all going through the same things together at the same time. And your worlds are pretty much the same. Um, you know, I'm, I'm talking from a high level, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you become an adult. And as an adult, you make these big choices. What career are we going to go in? How does that career shape our lives? What church, what state are we going to? Like, there's all these choices that kind of fragment us. And so then I think our, our cultural experience as adults changes too. And with that comes the struggle of now I, I am in this bubble, right? I'm sure that there are other careers that have their own bubble. I think about missionaries, you know, when they come back to America for their homestead time, you know, or I think about um, what's it like for some of our medical community, especially after going through COVID. That is a whole bubble of an experience that I'm sure they felt like the rest of the world was not even tracking what their experience was like during COVID. And so I think there is the there are these um, storylines that we experience as adults that take us down these tracks where we start to feel further fragmented. And then we're all cl- like really trying to connect with each other where we can. And we find ourselves in those conversations where it's like, I can talk to you about some things, but other things you don't understand. And I mean, we hear this and experience this all the time when, you know, I, goodness, it was a couple seasons ago when we were talking about external family members. How do we help external family members even understand the service lifestyle when it's shaped so much of our day-to-day life? You know, I have so many military families that are saying like, I can't even for the last couple of years go home for Thanksgiving because everybody wants to talk about politics around the table. But those politics, that's my, that's our commander in chief. And that those politics affect our life very deeply. It's not something I want to debate about around the Thanksgiving table. Right. And so again, we feel like we're not quite getting all the things that we need when we talk about community and support and friendship and Perhaps what we're really saying in this whole struggle is we all long to be seen and known. Yeah, I agree. And, but my question then becomes like another problem. I'm like, are we overextended? Because my friend, I I would love to know the source that she quotes. I can't remember, but she says it quite often. Were, Were we really designed to know everybody's needs, everybody's stuff? Cause I know it can feel like, I, you know, going to like a practical, like kind of more just physical, um, exchange for community. I want to make meals for a new mom or for someone who's grieving, but it's like this group needs meals. And this group over here needs, because we're like all parsed in these like sub communities that Mm -hmm. are like not super deep, but they're like our T-ball team or our, you know, co-op, you know, or our church. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes it's like, you're in like six different communities. Cause that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's the other thing I struggle with too. And that's why I set to define terms and I've never really realized it, but I've been, it's like a theme that lately, even in my marriage that I'm like, kind of, Kenny's always been trying to work on me with tone, like tone matters to him. My delivery matters. <laughs> and I keep trying to say to him, your words matter. They paint mm-hmm. pictures for me. So you're harsh, abrasive, gruffness is painting a picture for me and it's not very pretty. So I try to really think about words and like, I think about like home and community and we, we advertise it, right? We know that we all long for those things. So then people hijack that term and they like apply it to all this stuff. That's like not fulfilling. And so it's like, where's the community? Like, just because I know these people or I give them a meal, am I in community with them? Why do I still feel like I don't really know them? 
you know, and, and I don't know, I really, it's a wrestling for me of, is some of this, my stuff, like my own (laughs) personal stuff, or is it maybe what a lot of us are feeling? I don't know. I think it's all of that. I think it's all of us have a piece to own in this. Um, and I think part of maturing, I know for, for me, especially in the last couple of years, the deep wrestling for me about community has been, um, and I'm not saying, I'm just saying this about me. I'm not saying this about your situation, but for me personally has been a deep wrestling of my soul, of my view of others, my, the, the parts of me that contrast with other people, the differences with other people. And I'm not talking about political differences or that sort of thing. I'm talking about like why people wound people, because I realized that I was so desperate for community at certain points in my life that I over-trusted and I opened Mm -hmm. the gates of my heart because I was in such desperate need for it. And, you know, using Franklin Covey's speed of trust language, I did not leverage what's called smart trust. Um, I just, um, I just trusted too quickly instead of slowly examining these relationships and whether or not they were the trustworthy relationships for me to actually open my heart to. Right. And, and it was coming out of my own personal desperateness for community. I found myself in such need. And this is actually what I'm seeing in the spouse culture for sure. As I travel around is there's so much desperate need for community, And to be seen and known because so many of you listening don't feel seen and known even in your marriage or with your kids um, or maybe in the community that's around you. And so I, when I come to an event, there is such an overwhelming need. It is always, I think, smart to look at our heart and see like, if you were to measure on a scale of zero to 10, like where is that desperate need? And then how does that actually translate when you go out into the world? Like, how are you taking that to the book club, to the co-op, to, you know, these smaller circles, because we will find ourselves with such, and I'm only saying this out of a knowing, because I've been there and I've done this, that we can find ourselves going to that one group with such a desperate need to be known and understood that that first hint of them not being able to relate to something that we're saying feels overwhelming because we were so desperate for connection that it's almost like, again, speaking for myself, like you failed as a community support option. You failed because these first five things I really connected with you on, but this one thing that I was really desperate for, you were not able to meet that need. And so perhaps, you know, you don't meet any of the needs at all. And I need to like not come to you at all. And so I think it, does that make sense, Sarah? Yes. And I actually have kind of an example. So it's one of the things that has stuck with me because I think it's just a wonderful picture of what the service communities can go through. And it was when you were um, speaking in DC and I came and I remember when the girls were broken up and they were talking, I overheard one woman say how she was a teacher. And so one of the other teachers who's just a civilian was lamenting about her. It's really kind of funny. Her husband leaving for like a day, like, I don't even know, like two days, something really small. And, and I guess the girl was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then the military spouse was like, I'd go see a movie. That's what I do. And now in reality, like if you compare the two communities, like I can maybe be more of that girl as far as like, mm-hmm. a, oh, yikes, like he's completely gone. Um, so I, so I understand, I actually felt like it was a unique position for me to hear it because I understand both. I, I understand this part of me. That's like, I don't fully understand like the military community, like in that I've lived those things and know those experiences. So I know that I could probably say something stupid, like, you know what I mean? Like, or like what would come across as, um, just it's, it's so many things. I've thought about that statement so many times because I think about the woman who's like, I'd go see a movie and how that makes her feel like, how am I supposed to connect with these people who like can't handle their husbands going away for 12 hours? But I also think like that's her physical community. And what is she expecting? Like, like going back to that exchange, if we use that definition of like, I, we are desperate, especially in hard lifestyles to be seen and understood. And that's where that's coming from is like, nobody gets this. I'm sitting around a lunch table and people are lamenting about trivial crap. Like, you know, and I understand that perspective for sure. Not that example, but that perspective. But I also think like, 
community is, if we go off that definition of exchange, it's not just that I need these people to see me and know me. It's Mm -hmm. that what am I bringing to this community? Like if I Mm -hmm. go into community being like, I'm bringing this perspective. So maybe instead of being mad at that woman or like kind of irritated with her, I can help her like Mm -hmm. understand because I have this crazy town perspective where people leave for weeks on end and I don't even know where they are, you know? And Mm so maybe that perspective would help her. But Mm -hmm. instead, like you said, we kind of are going with like, see me, see my suffering and then, and then belittle other suffering and then just wall off thinking they don't, they can't give me anything that I need. But then it's like, yeah, but but maybe you have something that she needs. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. So good. Okay. So here's the next level of thought past that. And first of all, I totally agree. Like, again, if we are I think that's maybe number one for those of you who are kind of keeping somehow trying to keep track of what we're talking about here. (laughs) It sounds like it's all over the place, but it's going somewhere, I promise. But um, number one is what is your current level of need? Um, Recognizing that your need for community is normal and natural and necessary. Um, That was a lot of ends. Um, But that we need to be careful to know why am I in a deficit of need? What can I do about that? How do I develop a self-control with that deep need that feels out of control so that I don't overwhelm um, people that I'm around demanding or asking something of them that they may not be able to provide? And then I don't sabotage my own need for community by like nixing you off the list because you didn't meet all of my needs for community in that one (laughs) coffee group or that one book club, or she said the one wrong thing and now I'm writing you off completely. And so we can sabotage ourselves. So let's, let's the next level here. So I agree with you, Sarah. I think we've got to remember community isn't all about going into it with what I need out of it. And if you have that much need, we need to take a look at it. Right. And and we're going to circle back to that by the end of this conversation, I promise. So if you have a lot of need, we're going to talk about some practical things that you can actually do to start meeting that need in a way that's actually healthy. Um, But I would say the second follow-up question, Sarah, with what you just brought up is if we're, if community is not something we need to walk into and and have kind of this demand of, of what it's there to do for me, but instead I can also be there for you. And what do I bring to the table? What do we say about our current culture of service families who are so exhausted from giving? Like I know the military culture is exhausted from giving. I think probably the first responder culture has been through a lot in the last couple of years and they feel like they've had to give a lot. Um, even, and only you can speak to this, Sarah, but I think even just giving patience and silence and um, holding your tongue and trying to just day after day give your best as a family, um, in spite of, like you said in in the episode I was listening to this morning, um, that sometimes in your more um, insecure moments, it's been easier for you to go like, you know, Kenny, don't go like, just don't, don't go anymore because they don't even want you there. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's cost a lot in the last couple of years for you guys too. And I think you're exhausted too. So how do we tell, I'm throwing a question back to you, Sarah, how do you tell a culture and a community that's exhausted that we should be going to community because we need it so much, but also because other people need us? Well, I don't know. I think that's where it comes back to what I was asking myself is, is, is it specific to a service lifestyle to maybe have some of this stuff parsed out? Cause as like a military family, perhaps you've been a different, you know, different places like you, like you've moved like almost every year and along the way you've picked up these people that are like your people, but they're not physically near you. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they are supposed to help kind of rebalance you fill that need. But when I really feel unseen or frustrated with this lifestyle, maybe I shouldn't be taking it to my homeschool community group. Mm -hmm. I should see that as I take it to Shauna who -hmm. gets it. And then I go to the homeschool community group more filled with the perspective of like, I'm going to speak to things that these people know nothing about. That's what I'm here for. Like, I'm going to get support in this realm, maybe from homeschool, but I'm going to look as far as relational 
relationally goes, because it's kind of the same dynamic in the homeschool community. You know, I, I, the lady that I was telling you about, you know, she was referencing travel with her, their husbands being gone, but I was in a situation this past fall where Kenny had gotten called out in the middle of the night and we had to go to co-op and I didn't have service and I didn't know what was going on. And, and meanwhile, we're just talking about everybody's husband's home at five and life is so pretty. Like it just feels like that. And, and I know they're not, they're not trying to push that. It's just, they don't know what they don't know. And that's true yeah. of all of us. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know either. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to say that I'm, cause you gotta be careful because that can make us very prideful of that. Mm-hmm. We know something you just don't know. You just don't get it. There's truth in that statement, but there's also things you, you know, don't know and don't get. And so that's what I've wondered of like, do I need to just be satisfied and thankful, which I am, that I do have little pockets where I can reach out and pursue the community in that aspect to the people when I have that deep need to be seen Um, as a homeschooling mom. That's probably where I should take it is to my homeschooling group. But as a police wife, I need to take that to another police wife. Like, you know, maybe it's wrong to, to, to think that maybe, I don't know, like, you know, if I continue to take it there and get hurt, you know, like it just deepens the wound. First of all, don't, do you have belief in your top five? Don't you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I want everybody listening, um, and you can rewind, like the do the thirty second, fifteen second rewind, and listen to what Sarah just said because um, you kept using right and wrong. Is it wrong? Is it right? Is it wrong? Right? <laughs> and that, it, and I just said right. Um, but belief in your top five. A lot of people with belief are wrestle with these kinds of questions. It doesn't mean other people don't. We just all wrestle with them in different ways. Um, but I wanted to kind of use this as kind of a, a moment here because that's one of the play, wh- why you are wrestling the way that you're wrestling with the words that you're wrestling with. And that is because part of you wants to make it very black and white because mm-hmm. it's like, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what do I do so that I can make sure I'm in the right and not the wrong. And, and that's how you fuel and get things done, whether it is mowing the yard is the right thing to do so that nobody steps on a snake, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to how do I engage with community that feels right to me or that is uh, me treating them in a way that is right and not wrong, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. I, I want to kind of point that out first, um, that I think it's very easy for us to want to make it black and white. And, and all of us on some level want this to be an equation that is like a math equation that's black and white. If I just do this at, in this setting with these people, it will equal feeling fulfilled, feeling seen, feeling known and understood. And when we are talking about relationships, the answer is always, always so much messier. Mm-hmm. And that's what really sucks. The answer is always messy if it's if it's anything to do with relationships. And, and so whether you are struggling with a question about your marriage today or a friendship today or you're parenting your kids, the answer is always messy because we want to clean it up and make it black and white so that we can know for right or for wrong or for if there's something for us to fix, what can I do better so that everything works the way that I need it to work and then I feel like I'm okay, they're okay, you know, and everything stays in their box. And so on one hand, I think that you said it well when you said perhaps the answer for community is, yes, I th- I would just agree with you that I think that we are completely over oversaturated. Like a lot of people who've gotten on Facebook, who've re- you've reconnected with all of your you know, the people, not even friends from high school, just people from high school that you weren't even in the same friend circle with, but you are now friends with them on Facebook. And now we just know everybody's world and everybody's life is messy. And so in some ways it just opens up the messiness of everyone's life and we don't have access to it. And like you said, how in the world do I respond to that much need when we were not created to have access to thousands of people's needs on a daily basis? much less a need for them to feel heard and significant by posting whatever Mm -hmm. they want to post on social media. So I agree with you that I think we're completely oversaturated and it's, and it's for those of you who do, who maybe have a strength of empathy, who want to serve all of those needs. That's why it's so important to take those breaks and go off the grid and remind yourself of, 
Um, what do I value? Who are the important people in my life? Who do I want to serve? Who can I actually serve? And where, where is that line for me right now during this season so that I'm not maxed out and I've given so much that now I do have a massive desperate need for someone to serve me. And then nobody in any of these circles know what's going on in my life and they're not serving me. So now I have no one and now I'm mad there too. Right. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you that we're oversaturated. Um, but I, I do think that you said it well, that I think the answer is that we do recognize which of these pockets and groups of communities do we go to for what? I think that's, it's like part of the answer, but it's like one A is of the answer is, <laughs> right? One A of the answer is um, realizing that there's these people in our life that are wonderful, that aren't supposed to know all things, um, that do have a little bit of those differences and that you can go to that homeschool group for, to be seen and known by a group that understands the, the deeper struggles of homeschooling your kids. And when your kid doesn't want to be homeschooled that day, or when you are wrestling with like, I really just wish I got a job and like somebody else was teaching my kids today. Right. Um, or, or all the many things that go into that decision, that's where you take that struggle and that need for being seen and understood and valued for the energy that you, that's taking you for you to make that choice every day, that that's who you go to. And at Shauna and those, um, service friendships that know our lifestyle, where you can say he got called out again, you know, or it was another bad incident. And I feel so misunderstood by the civilian community. Like, that's where you go to those shaunas. That's where you go to those friends. Um, I have groups of friends that have become, and this is something that's been new for me probably in the last five years is really embracing. I kind of had to grieve that one or two people couldn't check all the boxes. I think I had to grieve yeah. that for a moment. And then I started to kind of embrace what would it look like if I actually created, if you go back and, and look at the podcast, you'll see it, it happening in me through the episodes because I started doing these episodes and I, I was, I realized there's like three episodes called the village, like that same, like they're the same, like title is the village because you can see, I was like realizing this is a village mentality, I think. And how do I go to the tribe with a village mindset of where are my mentors? Who do I go to in my life that are my mentors that are a season ahead of me that can tell me how to get through this season? And then who are my peers that I go to that understand what not only the season of life is like, but also the deep struggle of this service lifestyle? Who are those that I need to mentor myself that like, I have, they may not offer anything for me other than maybe reminding me that I had still have something to offer. And it doesn't take as much strength as I thought it did. It doesn't take as much energy as I thought it did. Like I actually have more wisdom to share than I thought. And so I do have more to give. And so I need those people in my life too, because not only do I get to give, but I get the reminder that I actually have something to give and it gives me a sense of purpose and, mm -hmm. and can't tell you how good it feels to walk away from conversation going, you know what? Life might be falling apart over here, but you know what? I'm actually doing pretty good. I have some wisdom to share. It's not as bad as I thought. So I, I do think there is this component of who are these groups that you, and what do you take to each of those groups? But, and I know this is long, so I'm going to hand it back to you, Sarah. I think one B, the second part of this that makes it really messy is that once you've embraced that it's this village mindset and that maybe these are these categories, it's very tempting to keep everybody in their category. Like it's really like, it'd be easy to just go to the homeschool meeting and not bring the massive amount of anxiety that you are feeling because your husband is out on a call and you don't have service and you can't focus on what they're talking about because there's something really big and important going on in your life that they don't understand, but you're not fully present in the moment and you're not going to giggle over something that feels trivial to you in the moment because something very big is going on for you. And it'd be easy to kind of keep them in that category and just say, you don't understand, so I'm not going to bring it up. But I think the one B part of this that makes it messy is sometimes when we're in those spaces, it's okay that they don't understand, but it doesn't mean that we don't bring it up. 
like, I think it's okay to go, you know what? I love to like really dive and go down the rabbit hole on this one topic today, but my, my brain is just not there. This is what I'm dealing with right now. And so if I seem a little bit not present or not fully grounded, or can I just, I'm sorry, guys, I can't, I can't talk about this right now. What I actually need is, can you just watch my kids for a minute so I can step out and check on my husband? You know, and, and that's where it gets messy because regardless of whether or not they get it and understand, it's you still being vulnerable and not cutting off a piece of yourself in order to fit into that circle. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I think though the piece of that would be like the times. And I think we've all done this where like, you kind of do like throw that bone and yeah. it just brings more awareness that they don't get it. Like, you know, sometimes yeah. I think it's easier to cut it off and be like, no, I'm just not going to get that there than to try. And I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Like just, gosh, that's true. Even in marriage, like I'm going to just stop bringing up this kind of root issue that we just circle around all the time because it just hurts so much to continue yeah. to express a need and to not have it met. Like, yeah, you know, and so well, let's talk about that for a second. Let's just, and we're going to make this a hypothetical, right? Let's just, cause this, we're going to flesh it out together, Sarah, because I think there's a lot of people that go th- that are going through this. So let's just talk about if you were to throw out to, let's say a civilian group, we're talking about community. So if you're listening, so this would be maybe a, a civilian group of people that don't fully understand. Maybe you're picturing your extended family members. I don't know, but let's say you do throw them a bone, right? Um, what is it that you are wanting in that moment? I think I, I can tell you what I don't want, which is like, oh, <laughs> silence. Ooh, what's, like that's okay. It. What's behind that? Yeah. What's, okay. What's behind that? That reaction? I don't know. I don't know. Cause that's what I like. It's easier for me to tell you the wrong than to tell you like the right, but just because of how I see it. And so I feel like the times where like, why, why does that hurt me? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out because it's like, it's like, I give this piece of like, my husband's in a room with a man with a gun and a baby. Like, and they're like, Oh, like, and that's it. And you're just kind of like, I don't know. It feels like there should be more, but then I get why they don't know what to say, but it doesn't make it hurt less. You know? So what is it that's hurtful? Is it that they, um, didn't say anything past that? Is it that, they yeah, didn't jump maybe. quickly. Like, like, let's say if it was Shauna that was in front of you, she'd be like, I think she would respond like a military spouse responds, which is like, she jumps in on, I got your kids go. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like, there's no need for explanation. Been there, go do what you need to do. I got your kids or I got, that's what I think military spouses do really well. It's so matter yeah. of fact, because we understand, like, you don't even have to talk about it. Is that, yes. is it that? I think it's some of it. I think maybe as I'm sitting here thinking about it, like, like I wish it's okay to have the O, but maybe like, how can I help? Can I help? You know, something, but it's just kind of this, Oh, and then I think too, it's my own stuff of like, the truth is when I think about it and I wonder if this was true, I won't put words in her mouth for, for the lady at the, at the event. But like, I think to myself, like secretly deep down, I wish my husband was getting home at nine to five. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I can feel bitter and animosity towards people who get to live a life I want. Mm -hmm. And not that it's not without its shortcomings, but it's really easy to forget those shortcomings and just see their life as idyllic. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's like this double sword where it's like, they give me this like, Oh, And then I'm just, I'm already pissed because I'm like kind of jealous that I have to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it, you Mm -hmm. know, because it's almost like, and this is where I started to see, I think I hinted at this a long time ago when Kenny and I first got in and he was like, you know, most cops only hang out with other cops. And I was like, we won't do that. And we didn't for a long time, but as his life has gotten grittier and more people have started to there's deep opinions about like police specifically. And you just feel isolated, isolated, isolated. Like in all these groups, you start to be like, yeah, I just want to be around people who get it. Mm -hmm. It's easier because it doesn't show for me, for him, it's probably different, but I will tell you for me, I like being surrounded by police wives because you know, when I went to meet with some of them in Indiana, it was like, well, my husband's on drug dealer time. Like I might not be able to make it. And there, you're, what, what you're saying, there was no explanation. Everyone just understood versus mm-hmm. when I try to connect with my local community, it's a picture of what I wish I had sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that I don't like that picture. Like, I don't like being reminded 
Like I'd rather just be in my hole where everybody's kind of living, even though we have different schedules, different niches that our husbands are in, everyone lives that life. Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel more comfortable than having that blatant reminder in my face of like, nope, it's just you here that gets this and nobody, all, everybody can just give you an O and that's it. <laughs> you know. Well, and I think it's very, and I appreciate your vulnerability um, today. And I know I'm like pulling it out of you and it may not have been your plan <laughs> for today, but I think it's important because first of all, so much of our lifestyle and for those of us in the military, especially during a deployment, so much of it, it hinges on this like life or death kind of or potentially really dangerous situations. And so it is some really big, more extreme potential, you know, things that you can go through. Um, and so you're always kind of ready for something big, you know, you're readying yourself for something. And so when you are around other people who aren't living in that same world, or you're not thinking about the same things and you're not, and the biggest concern that they have is kind of like a what feels to us like a very mundane daily topic. You know, we're on a totally different spectrum of emotions each day than other people are. And to them, it reminds me of my good friends, Brittany and Krista, who, you know, Krista being a gold star and Brittany whose husband has a TBI and she's got a son with Down syndrome. And it's like, how do I even complain about anything in my life to the two of them? Because yeah. like, it would seem so trivial, but I can't even tell you the gift that they have brought into my life Be to number one, stay friends with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> number two, every time I've had a significant thing to me, the gift that they give me is it's significant to you because it's significant to you. It doesn't matter how it compares to me and to what I'm going through. Subje suffering is subjective. And it's it, what I might be going through pales in comparison to what their day-to-day -day spectrum of emotions might be, right? So it's taken me continuous courage to keep bringing, you know, the vulnerability of my own per level of struggle, you know, when I need to bring it to them and test the waters on that. Like, will you still be there for me when I'm bringing you something trivial and the gift of them supporting me through that anyways. And so that's been super helpful for me. Um, but I think that it's very real and valid for you to be like, seeing within yourself that their reaction is a mirror of what you wish that you had. It is this, when they say, oh, it's, it's this sudden recognition that there is a whole other world that is not experiencing the spectrum of emotions that you experience on a daily basis. And you just shocked them out of that world for a moment. And it's, <sighs> and it's a reminder to you that like, there are two different worlds here. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's very self-aware. I just want to like, you know, acknowledge that it's very self-aware for you to see that within yourself in that moment and to kind of grieve that a little bit. Um, but to also remember that in, in those circles, how, how I handle that need for community in that moment and what I'm bringing to them is really important. That's why we have to ask that question that we were just talking about a few minutes ago. Like, why, like, what am I bringing to this meeting today? Like, what is that love? Like, what am I asking from this group today? And so if you genuinely need support and if you genuinely need someone to watch your kids for a moment so that you can go address this very important thing that it's okay that they don't understand it, but I'm going there with an actual ask, not like, mm -hmm. you know, and I know you're not saying this, but I'm saying this to anybody listening instead of going, my, my husband's in a call out and, and like, he's in the middle of a shootout or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Do you use shootouts anymore? I don't know. It sounds very Western. Um, I've been watching a lot of 1883 and like Westworld and all kinds of stuff. But so nobody, like nobody can, is going to respond to that. Well, that you're going to mm -hmm. get an O because like uh -huh. they're going to be in a very powerless, helpless place of you just gave me information with no ask. And I don't know how to respond to there being a crisis that there's nothing I can do about. But if I say, Hey, my husband is, is in the middle of a call and I'm really worried about him. I need to check on him. Can you watch the kids so I can go make a phone call? That's something they can do. With, it, with or without understanding, that is something that they can do. Yeah. And I would say like, if I look 
yeah. And if I look at it, I realize like, I'm not like, I'm just dropping the bomb and then getting pissed that people mm-hmm. don't, even though after all these years of all the work in the marriage of like, nobody intuitively, nobody intuitively knows what anybody needs. Like kind of circles back to like doing the hard work ahead of time of how to recognize what you need for yourself and then how to express it to others. Like things we've been talking about this whole season, because in reality, when I think about that situation, I think I didn't say I, I, I'm still expecting, I wasn't trying to, but what I was expecting was someone to know that that's what I needed. Like okay. I, you know. I want to pause you right here because you just said, I, I realized I dropped the bomb. I've done this too. And I, I think that, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this right now, what Sarah is saying is I go into situations and I just kind of blurt out the state of things in my life. And I think that what we're doing when we're doing that is because I, I see myself doing this with family members. Sometimes I've seen other people do it with their family members and friends where you just throw out the, the bigness, like the heaviness of this lifestyle. And I think that what we're doing when we drop those bombs is what we really need is want, we want somebody to go, wow, that must be really hard. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I want you to see my life. I want you to see what I'm living through. Is anybody else seeing what I'm going through right now and is willing to say, how are you doing that? Like, it's just like, can you pause your life for just a moment and acknowledge that I'm going through something that's really big and I need someone else to say it's really big? Yes? Yes, yeah. I don't know, I think it goes back to just that whole like feeling unseen. You know, like, I I don't know. I feel like that was, that was part of my anger. My frustration that day was like, no one, no one knows. Like if I don't tell them, no one knows Mm -hmm. that at one in the morning, I heard the phone go off first and I laid there praying that my husband just wouldn't hear it. Like no one knows that, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's like emotional, but you know, like, it's just like where we've been of like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, and then knowing the call of like, just knowing all of that, like, and it's like, no one, no one knows. And there's so much commentary from the outer world, not necessarily from that community of what they think they know about it. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it feel even more like isolating. And so, yeah, I think it goes back to just like, I'm, I'm dropping this because I want someone just to see it. But then I get mad because I'm like, well, you didn't do the right thing with it. (laughs) (laughs) Not like that. (laughs) That's all you can give me is, oh, (laughs) but you know, and I think, I think both supporting spouses are carrying that heavy weight of what it is asking of them every day that no one knows. And some of you aren't even telling your spouse because it makes your spouse have a set of feelings too. And so we're not telling it to our spouse. We're not telling it to our kids. Um, we're taking it to the co-op, right? <laughs> because it's just leaking out. Whether mm-hmm. we want, what we, I, I imagine we're all going to that like metaphorical co-op. <laughs> and yeah. we are just like trying to hold it, hold it all inside, and it just kind of leaks out without our permission. And then suddenly they fail, you know. And I just want to remind everybody listening that your your service member or your first responder also has their world of things that they are feeling and experiencing that they may have a hard time sharing with you that they're mm-hmm. holding on and, and nobody understands and gets right like um how many of them love what they do but i can't say that to my spouse because of what it's costing them each day or that i really want to deploy like, how do you say that to your, your spouse and your kids that I, I'm looking forward to the next time I get to leave, not because I'm leaving my family, but because I get to actually do what I'm trained to do. Um, mm-hmm. Or I love that even though you are waiting up for me all night long, the feeling of satisfaction of rescuing that child or rescuing that woman or whatever was going on during that call, you know? And that that was worth them being gone from the house or whatever. And so we're all carrying these very heavy things that we're probably not even sharing with our spouse. And then we go into these communities and we just want to shake someone and say, can you just ask me about my life? But yet if they ask you, you know, we're going to twist that that shaken up Coke bottle and it's all going to come out. And there is no way that 
that, and we're saying the co-op, right? Like that civilian community that doesn't understand our world, that we're begging for them to understand and get it, there's no response that they could ever give that is going to fully meet that need. Perhaps, unless it is just somebody that just sits with, with maturity, that just lets you unpack everything. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I've been to therapists that are supposed to just yeah. sit and understand, and it still wasn't fully what I needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's where Shauna comes in. Mm-hmm. Right? It is... Um, what can the co-op do for me today? But I'm not going to hide all the feelings. I think it's the danger for us is that when we're hiding it all and we don't allow it to be a little messy and leak out just what's appropriate, then it, we bottle it up even more. And then they mm-hmm. really do fail the next time too. And so, you know, perhaps we leak it out appropriately there. And then we go to, sh- you know, Shauna needs to get this episode because we're just using her name through the whole thing. <laughs> but then we go to our Shauna, right? And we say, man, this is what's going on in my life today. Mm-hmm. So would you say being in those civilian communities, it's more about, it's not completely hiding, but it is when you choose to share, but more sharing with like going with the needs that you know that you need. So like, what you were saying of, I need to step out and make a phone call. Like, this is what's happening. I'm not going to pretend like nothing's happening and I'm not going to just tell you everything is happening. I'm going to think about what can this community give me? Well, these are moms with kids and they know that I can, they, they can take an extra kid or two and let me step away, you know, but I need to express that, that need of what they can, how they can help. I do. I do think that it, that, that that's part of it. And, you know, um, I know my parents love listening to this podcast. And so I'll throw myself under the bus here that I know sometimes, you know, it's natural. They say that when you go home around your family, specifically your parents, that we all psychologically become eight to 11 years old. <laughs> we just <laughs> automatically step into that role as a child. And those things that you needed from your parents around that age of eight to 11, we accidentally as adult children go home and suddenly have all those needs of insecurity again with our parents. And we want to feel seen and understood and known. And do you see my life? And so I know one of the things that I struggle with is sometimes I'll go home you know, for Christmas or whatever. And I unload way too much on my parents of like everything that's happened in the last six months in this military lifestyle. And I think it's coming from that place of, do you see my life? Do you see what we, what we're going through? I'm not complaining about it. I'm not trying to leave it, but I just want to feel that scene. And, and who else, but our parents should see and know and understand, you know, more than our parents. Mm -hmm. But the truth of it is that's overwhelming for them, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. and there's no way for them to, I can't take all of that to them. I've got to take the things to them that my parents can, can give me as parents. And I've got, but that doesn't mean I hide it all, you know? And then I, I take those bigger needs, you know, to this other group over here or this other friend over here. And, and here, I mean, I, as we probably need to it's what a great conversation. Um, but like yeah. being able to start to wrap up this episode, I think it is about taking the right things to the right groups of people in your life, the right um, circles of community. And some of you need to look at those circles of community. Some of you need to like rein it in and <laughs> and like go from, you know, a hundred people to like who's you have like the larger circle of, of community, the culture, think of it like a bullseye. Then you've got like this inner, this inner circle of people that are acquaintances that, um, you maybe don't keep in touch with all the time, but you could reach out to them if you needed to. And then you've got this smaller circle of people that's really more intimate and that you can really, um, have those weekly phone calls with those like regular touch points with. And I would just encourage some of you to start kind of breaking down, you know, I, I don't want to, it sounds cold to say put people in categories, but we really do need to organize where we're putting our energy. So we're not being intimate with all, like emotionally intimate with all, you know, hundreds of people at once and trying to keep track of hundreds of people at once. It's okay to be emotionally intimate with a smaller circle of people. And also for you to not take all of those needs to that one person, you know, that you can have mentors, peers, friends, a small group that you pray with, another small that you kind of deep dive into your spiritual life, you know, another group that you take your parenting questions to. Like, 
I've got Mama Pam. She is on the she's on the podcast, um, on the parenting page on, on Life Giver on the website. Mama Pam is who I take my parenting questions to. I just interviewed my Aunt June. Like I, I've realized even at this age, the power of having um, females, like mater- like all the different kinds of beautiful women in my life that can be this maternal village. And those of you who are men that are listening, having a village of men around you that give you a broad spectrum of what it means to be a man or a father, a husband, like that doesn't have to come from just one example that maybe was your dad. You can surround yourself with these different pockets of people that you don't necessarily meet with every week. It could be quarterly. It could be, you know, but that you kind of spread out that need just a little bit so that we're not overwhelming one person or three people or our family with everything the culture has shifted. And with that shifting, there is the blessing of being connected with our Shauna that is so far away and that it's possible to stay connected. We can be grateful for that. Um, But it's also about using that connectivity wisely, I think, Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And let's not swing to another extreme and cut off our local community simply because we've collected all these people digitally, right? Because like you said Mm -hmm. in the very beginning of this conversation, sometimes we need the physical, tangible, go out to lunch with someone. Um, Perhaps somebody's listening today that we need to meet your neighbors. Mm -hmm. That's what I learned last year during the deployment for me is when I really needed something, I had a rude awakening that I did not even know my neighbors. And I Mm -hmm. failed on that. And it was time for me to do something different. But not when you live on a homestead, Sarah. So what say you about community? (laughs) Yeah, that part does look different. I mean, we are, um, because literally you can't, we can't see houses from where we live. And so, um, but they're there. It's just the way the layout is kind of like, but um, so it's limited. It's not as many people. There's just basically one neighbor, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but that has made, it was actually 2020. We lived here since 2018, but it was 2020 that we met because his bull got into our yard and I tried to (laughs) wrangle it out. And I didn't know that bulls jumped over fences, like the cow jumps over the moon. I just didn't know. (laughs) It was quite a sight to see, but that, you know, sparked a conversation. And, you know, he, though he is like a third generation farmer, um, he was just, really supportive about like my, um, my endeavors to like homestead and do those things, having no background at all. And he, you know, we had this weird incident where someone out on a country road, just like unloaded a gun. Like Mm. there was, I was (laughs) sitting, Kenny was gone. I was like, I'm pretty sure those were gunshots that I just heard. And he called me, he knew that I was home by myself, Mm. you know? And so he's a little bit further away, but still like, it's, it is important to have those. Are we best friends? No. Do we go out to dinner? Not really. Like, but do we stand at the fence sometimes and talk for two hours? Yeah. Mm. You know, and like that it, yeah. And if I really needed him, he would come, you know, and that's important, you know? And not only is it important, that can be enough for that relationship. Like that's key yes. to I think community is that that can be enough. Yes. yes. And so everybody listening, your parents can be enough. Your spouse can be enough. And then your friend that understands this lifestyle the way that you understand it can fill in those gaps. And then they can be enough in just mm-hmm. that role and in just that way. Um, your kids can be enough at the limit to what it is, what is possible between you and your kids, because that will happen. Your kids are their own life, their own brains, their own stories that are developing, and their story and their experience is different from yours. And so your kids are never going to be able to fill everything that you need them to fill. Um, and those of us who are parenting, you know, older kids through the pandemic for a while, we felt like we had to be everything for them. There's limits there. So there's Mm -hmm. great freedom, I hope is what everybody's hearing today. There's great freedom in realizing that we can't take all of our need to one group or one person. um, And that it, and that maybe it's less overwhelming to realize that what we offer other people in our life can just be pieces too. Um, Mm -hmm. But we do need, definitely, we do need a circle of people that you really can take the really hard stuff to. Um, And I know that that's really, really important. The really hard stuff that you um, need to be able to 
ugly cry, um, that you need to be able to ask for genuine help and support. Like if you feel like you are lacking that, if you feel like you are lacking um, someone that would, you know, drive a far distance or jump on a plane to get to where you are to help you in a time of need. And if you are lacking that, then perhaps we need to go back and and reinvest in some of the relationships that have been meaningful to you in your life for a really long time and, and build up that relationship more. And some of you are listening to what I'm saying right now, and the name has already popped up in your head of who you'd probably need to reach out to today. And so send a text Check on someone else and see how they're doing. Start a conversation. You are not as alone as you think you are. Mm -hmm. Sarah, thank you for like being vulnerable and allowing me to kind of help you process through. Because, I mean, I've been there so many times. And so I knew it's it's a normal, understandable thing to wrestle with. And so thank you for being vulnerable. Any kind of – do you want to close out with any thoughts um, since you were vulnerable about all of that? What's on your mind now as we kind of reflect back on the importance of community? No, I think it's, it feels just cohesive to me because these are like things that have been floating around my head for a really long time, probably at least for eight months or nine months or so as I've tried to figure it out. And, um, I've had these little hints along the way and you just kind of help me tie them together because this is, I finally am starting to understand why people are always like shop local because I do shop local at a, at a farmer's market and they know me and I know mm-hmm. them. And it's because the same people work there and they see me every Tuesday and I've started to really value. It's a very surface relationship. She doesn't even know my husband is a cop, but they mm-hmm. know me and they know my voice and, and that adds value to my life life. And I think it adds value to them. Like for me to be kind and smile and look at them and talk to them and support their hard work. Um, so there's very many different ways that we can be receiving and giving, and we need all of them. Thank you for listening to the life giver podcast. We keep things pretty simple around here and don't include sponsors so that you can get our focused attention. So please subscribe, leave us a quick review or share it with other service families, you know, If you would like more information or want to connect, you can find out more by going to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org for tons of content and resources and encouraging you to create more margin in your life as well.